Hi everyone, Wynn Claybaugh here. Jared Jackson Dean has an extensive resume of success as a salon owner, podcaster, and online trainer specializing in mentorship, business building, and the art of client attraction. In this interview from 2017, Jared talks about the amazing opportunities we have by making things happen instead of waiting for opportunities to come to us. Although our conversation might sound specific to the salon industry, Jared's knowledge of branding, looking out for your team, and living a life of gratitude are messages that we all need to hear. I hope you'll enjoy this podcast and share it with your friends, and then sign up for our mailing list at mastersbywinclaybaugh.com. Masters is also available on your favorite podcast platforms. Hi everybody, Wynn Claybaugh here. Welcome to this issue of Masters and I just love how the universe takes care of us and brings to us the right people at the right time and the people who are going to add value to our lives if that's what we're looking for. I guess if we're looking for or thinking that life is going to send us bad things then that's what happens too. Uh, Fortunately I don't live in that world very very much. And I'm always looking for heroes and mentors and people who have great energy and great messages and great intentions. And today's all about that. I am sitting with Jared Jackson Dean. So, Jared, awesome. welcome to Masters. Welcome. I'm I'm extremely excited to be here and, uh, with you. I mean, the fact that we're sitting face to face is a uh, a dream come true, truly. Hmm. So it's an honor and a blessing to be in your presence. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Wow, two people here, sitting here with gratitude. Yes. Doesn't get better than that. <laughs> Doesn't get better you know? than that. You Loving know? it. I've always loved Oprah's message of just live every single moment of gratitude. Mm-hmm. And uh, I interviewed uh, this amazing man, Cedric King, who's a, a true American hero, a double amputee, and that's what he's talking about. Just, wow. just life is just gratitude, gratitude yeah. at every point. When you're lost, gratitude. Gratitude, yeah. Gratitude. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's that moment of feeling when you know you're tapping into something that's a little bit deeper than all of the things that could be going on around you mm-hmm. and really just enjoying and feeling that moment. Well, I'm, I'm grateful. So, yes, yes. <laughs> so let me just uh, read a little bit uh, about who Jared is. You own a couple of salons, which we're going to get into. But you kind of decided a long time ago that being in the salon business was great and that gives you a foundation and that gives you credibility, but you really wanted to pursue education as well. You really wanted to be able to get out there and share messages and and I guess we all have like three or four jobs, don't we? Yes, absolutely. So we're going to talk about that. So again, you're into continuing education, empowering people. As well as you're behind the chair. Yeah, behind the chair. How, how many days a week are you behind the chair? Uh, three days a week, Thursday through Saturday. Okay. I love it. I try to pack in as all of my clients and try to do as much as I can. I, I think that still keeps me so grounded and so in love with, you know, staying in touch with people. And, you know, that's the sort of the meat and bones of our industry. 
you know, and staying connected. So well, and again, it gives you credibility. It gives me credibility. You know, if, if yeah. you're if you're not busy behind the chair, how are you going to stand on a stage and tell people how to get busy? behind? it's like people who are given marriage counseling and yes. they're, and they're divorced. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. Same thing. Right. Absolutely. And how long have you been a hairdresser? I've been doing hair. T- next year will be twenty years. I'll be forty next year. Twenty years in the business. Okay. Ten years owning Salon Eleven. How'd you get into the salon business then? You know, what's interesting, I grew up in a big family, and I have six brothers and sisters, four boys, two girls. That's not big. I have eight. Oh, wow. Yeah. Two double. Okay, okay. (laughs) (laughs) But the beautiful thing about it is, you know, my dad, who served in the Army, was a, he was a, you know, sergeant, but he was also a barber. And what he did was, when we turned around 11 or 12 years of age, he brought us all clippers, and he's like, hey, each and every last one of you guys need to learn how to cut your own hair really yeah and that was sort of the you know how everything sort of started so by the time i got into junior high school high school i was cutting guys hair was having fun doing all that good stuff and around 10th grade 11th grade i started dating a girl that was a uh a makeup artist and she used to do editorial work and stuff like that so i had my days of ditching school with her (laughs) she was a little bit older and and hanging out with her and we had this crazy conversation about me doing hair and I was like I'm a, I'm a barber but you know my idea in life is to own a bank or something of some sort I wanted to run a bank and it was you know one of those things where I just looked at where the transition for me was okay if I if I go out get my cosmetology license is something I can always fall back on okay. and I that's what I did I went out to get my cosmetology license and I ended up doing barbering work and then I, I really got into doing women's hair and I think one of the biggest things that attracted me to the industry was being able to be diverse in my skills. So not being stuck in one genre of doing one type of hair, one texture of hair. I wanted to be able to be as diverse as possible. And it just opened up a whole new world for me. You so, know? so what is the diversity of the type of hair and the type of customers that you service? So right it's now... It's not strictly barbering. It's not strictly... what. So give us the, the gambit. So the gambit, I mean, to lay it all out, probably 5% of my clients right now are, are barbering, where I still cut hair, but I'm a colorist, so I color all textures of hair. We, you know, hair painting, biolage, hair highlighting, all that good stuff. I'm still in that. And then cutting is the premises. So I you know, do all different textures of hair. So, you know, Caucasian, Asian, African-American, you name it. Hmm. And it was something that I really was passionate about doing instead of being stuck into one, you know, one genre area. And I, I love it because the the community now that I'm in, the demographics sort of uh, supports that, hmm. you know, with the salon that we have. Good for you. Yeah. Well, you call yourself an advocate for continuing education. What does that mean? One of the biggest, most important things that I've noticed with a lot of stylists that I've worked with and including myself is that we experience a lot of challenges in our lives that sometimes you have so many people that fall away from the beauty industry. And I look at our industry as being more than just beauty. I look at it as being a particular piece of what we can truly become. So The way I look at myself is I'm an advocate for redefining your purpose of why you're in the beauty industry. Mm -hmm. You know, and a lot of people are like, well, you know, I love cutting hair. I love coloring hair. I love servicing clients. But there's something in the core of the person of why they need to be truly passionate about why they're truly in the industry. And 
I've always thought of myself that I have to constantly keep creating and building on what it is that I truly believe in. And that is empowering other stylists and taking other stylists to tapping into what sparks where they would like to see themselves, you know, and uh, being an advocate of it is to me is just being a representation of that idea, being a representation of uh, the goals of where they would truly like to see themselves. You know, and one of the things that I can say that has truly touched myself is when I opened up my first salon when I was 21 years of age, within 16 months, I was at the core of literally almost closing the doors of the salon. And I had a nervous breakdown. I mean, literally, I had to go to the hospital and I felt like I lost it all. You know, and my. Was at 21? When I was at 21. Okay. And, you know, I felt like I've worked hard to try to get the doors open to the space and uh, you know and my father you know I was like dad I'm broke I don't have any money the money that you helped me to to pump into opening up the business the investment that I got inside of the space all of it is gone and I feel broken I feel like I don't have anything left and he says you're not broken you know you're not broken at all he says if anything you know this is going to be a channel in your life that's going to allow you to continue to expand on what it is that you have to do. But you can't allow yourself to live in this failure, mm. you know. And we cry together. Mm. We cry, you know. And, you know, it's one of those things where I said to myself, if I go back and I open up another salon again, I want to be able to tap into those individuals who are at that place where I feel, mm. you know, and, you know, whether you're, you know, whether they're lost or whether they're feeling challenges or whether they feel a failure, I want to represent the idea that they can make it happen. And it doesn't necessarily mean connected to opening their own salon, but it could be, you know, wanting to do amazing things in the career that can impact the lives of so many people. So when somebody says to you, or you ask the question, why are you in the business? Oh, because I love cutting and coloring hair. In your mind, that's not enough. Not that that's not enough to sustain somebody, but you want to dig deeper with them. I want to dig deeper. And, what, and what's the deeper stuff the that you want to pull out of them? Okay, so the, the deeper thing, for example, was uh, one of the biggest things I saw in you know having our businesses, we have the opportunity to sit down and interview so many different stylists. And... I think every single stylist that I've sat down with, I've asked them, where is it that you would like to see yourself in the next 12 months? Okay. And, you know, first and foremost, a lot of them say, well, I want to be busy behind a chair and I want, I want to be making more money. That's just the core of it. And it's, well, why do you want to make more money? Well, you know, I always felt that that's where I connect my success with. Or that's, you know, I want to be able to do more for my family, so forth. But, what, yeah, but why is it that you want to do that? You know? And the, what I found is that the deeper you go into the core of the individual, the stronger you will find their purpose as to why they move. Mm -hmm. And it's not necessarily the, the money that they're after. It's not necessarily the being attached to the uh, materialistic things that they're going for. But they're running from the idea of having to fail and wanting to be more successful so that they don't have to continue to experience that. Mm -hmm. You know, and... Doing hair is a vehicle for them, you know. So my next question is, you know, what is your ideal kind of client that you're looking for? And to me, when they express to me what kind of client they're looking for, they're describing the person that they want to become. Mm -hmm. 
They're describing the person who they aspire to be like. Rather than just, I want more money. I want more money. Hmm. And to me, it's a turning point where you start to really realize that all of the, you know, because we all experience negativity, drama, you know, certain things that plague us. But to represent the idea of why you're truly in the industry really speaks volume in the kind of brand that you want to build behind the chair. One of my mentors put it this way, that you you have a job or you have a career or you have a calling. Yeah. So it sounds to me like you're trying to help people discover their calling, their their true purpose of why they're doing what they're doing. Absolutely. So I did a little bit of uh, studying on here, and thank you for helping me to prepare for this interview. One of the topic ideas that you gave me was how to position yourself for progress and success, overcoming losses and going for the big win. Yeah. First of all, what is a big win? You. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Why did I, I, I like I totally set myself up for that one, right? I had yeah. to win. I know, I know, I know. For, but for me, you know, the idea of a big win is definitely, you know, it's like when I go to cosmetology schools and I, I speak to the students and I ask them, you know, for the show of hands, how many students inside of this room right now feels like they're successful? And less than 10% of the people, you know, raise their hands. Hmm. And, you know, so I go back to the core of it. I'm like, how many students in here have over 100 hours as a cosmetology student? And then, you know, everyone raises their hand. Mm-hmm. Um, how many students uh, signed up to actually get their cosmetology license and it's happy that they enrolled? Everybody raises their hand. Mm-hmm. And what I like to do is break down the idea that in order for you to discover this big win, you have to, you know, look at all of the small wins of you physically getting to where you are right now. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you have 100 hours or if you're 500 hour ends or you finish a particular curriculum, you are a success story already. Celebrate that. Celebrate it. Celebrate it. Embrace it. You know, because it's those little things of acknowledging it that really helps to take the person to the next phase. Helps them to take them to the next level because that's the transition in life that needs to happen. Hmm. You know, so I give them an analogy of getting this win as if we're all inside of a vehicle, inside of a car. And a good friend gave me this analogy. And there's five of us. It's me, you, win, And we got two other stylists in the road with us. And we're like, okay, we're getting to a destination point. We're headed somewhere. And at some point in time, I'm driving a stick shift. Once you get up to 20 to 30 miles per hour, at some point in time, you got to shift into the next gear. Okay. It's either got to be an automatic, it's got to be manual, but it has to happen at some point in time. And, you know, when we're in cosmetology school or when we're working at a salon, something needs to happen to where you start to shift into a new gear, where you start to recognize that, you know, some of the old habits that you have, some of the things that you're experiencing, they need to be completely shedded off so that you can shift into your, you know, to your next gear to get to that destination point. What are some of those things that need to change in order to shift into the next gear, which is a great analogy, by the way. I would say I have to go too much from my personal experience. Well, everything's from your personal experience <laughs> and other people and your mentors' experiences, you know, because yeah. you talk about the experiencing the beauty and failure. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I would say that when I look at some of the things that was holding me back or some of the things that I see that are holding, like right now I'm experiencing one of the stylists that I'm coaching right now. And we sit down on one-on-ones, and every single time that I'm like, well, we can do this, let's take this route, automatically she starts to create these roadblocks. 
Well, I, I don't think I can do that. Wonder if I do this and this happens or, you know, if I start, you know, posting these pictures or I start doing this to brand myself, you know, wonder if I don't get X amount of likes. And I'm like, well, you're in the wrong business. You should have been in the business of construction. You're great at building walls. <laughs> you're great at building walls. You know, and the, the thing is, is that if you want to shift into the next gear, cancel that mentality because it's going to require a brand new you. Hmm. Take a chance. Hmm. Take a chance. What's the worst that could actually happen? You know, but if you bring in, in your what has happened to you at the other salon or what has happened to you at cosmetology school, or what has happened to you in your past life, and you bring it into a new arena that allows possibilities and opportunities to create a better you, why are you holding on to all of the things that could be holding you back? Hmm. It's, these were prerequisites in order for you to get to where you are now. Hmm. So embrace it. Hmm. How much of your story that you tell people includes the, the failures that you've been through? It would be a lot. You know, I think that a lot of things that um, I necessarily experience in life, it's one of those things where when people look at you, they're just like, well, you know, you're this huge success or you're, you know, you have your salons and this is a success. This is a success. This is a success. And I tell them, no, that's not the case. The case is I'm living so present in my failures and my challenges, but I'm not letting it define my purpose of success. I'm not allowing it to become who I truly want to become. If someone can see the goal of where they want to be, I share that with them because we're in the trenches together. Mm. It's not like, you know, I'm on the outskirts and I'm like, well, this is what I did. Now you need to do this. It's more or less like we just have different challenges. But listen, it still is going to require us to dig deep down inside, mm. you know. And so in our curriculum or the things that we teach it's about being present in that moment and acknowledging that the challenges will always be there. You know, it's I've had my salon for 10 years, but I still feel like there's a lot of work that needs to be done. And to me, it's part of life. It's part of life, you know, and I think I'm more passionate about realizing that a vehicle can still move, an individual can still move with with problems and challenges if they don't allow those problems and challenges to become them. Mm. You know, I had a client of mine who brought in her daughter who was five years of age and she was diagnosed with cancer. And she had to cut off all her hair. I was supposed to give her a short haircut and she was like, I really wanted this, I really want this haircut. And her mom's like, okay, we can do it. And you know, we shampooed her hair and she's just like, oh, you know, this is so relaxing. and you know, I feel so good. I'm so happy. Why does it smell so good in here? And I'm looking at this little girl and I'm like, this is amazing because I'm at the point of tears because I have a little girl. And I start to cut her hair and I'm combing her hair and I realize that I'm not able to do the short haircut because her hair is falling out by the handful. Mm -hmm. You know, and her mom is crying and I'm crying and the little girl rubs her mom's back and she's like, mommy, it'll be okay. We can cut his hair off and we can have his, the hair like Jared. He has no hair. Right. 
You know, and it, it touched me in a way that despite her cancer that she had, it wasn't defining who she was as a person. And it, it touched me in a way, I know it touched her mom in a way, that it this is what it's about right here. Mm. You know, because mentally, emotionally, we could be experiencing a cancer. Mm. Physically, we could be going through stuff, but it doesn't necessarily mean that we should let it define us so that we lose hope in the process mm. of our lives. Mm. And the beauty of it for me is the fact that we're able to connect with clients so much, you know, and walk away with this element where we can touch our clients, not only in, in making them look good and feel good, but we can touch our clients in a way where we establish this amazing relationship. Hmm. What a great story. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. you said you're a numbers guy. You like numbers? I love numbers. Huh. Absolutely love it. And, really and what percentage of people love numbers? Oh, my God. I think majority of the stylists that I talk to, they're just like, oh, this just gets on my nerves. I, I, I can't stand this. I don't know. Just tell me what I'm, you know. Like one girl's like, what's my commission? I feel like you guys are taking all this out of my commission. And then I have to break down to her where the portion of that comes from. Mm -hmm. You know, where the portion of that money actually physically goes. You know, I'm not going to tell you to figure it out. I'm going to, to show you so that you understand that your, your hard work and the value that you're adding to the salon is actually keeping the doors open to our business. Hmm. You know, you're a valuable asset. Hmm. You know, my question to them is, do you see yourself as a valuable asset? Hmm. You have this thing called the Stylist Boot Camp. What is that all yes. about? It was something that I actually started about three or four years ago. And the purpose of the boot camp was specifically geared originally from, you know, helping stylists to become more conscious and aware of how they can physically grow their business behind the chair. So, you know, I started off with doing these videos and, you know, these 10 minute clips and it, it was all about empowering, keeping your head in the game. You know, when you're inside of the salon and you're working eight hours a day, so forth and so on, what could you be doing to help to constantly keep growing your business? And over time, what Stylist Bootcamp has become has literally been sort of just, you know, tearing away some of the fat of the stuff and really getting into the core of the ideal stylist that is really looking to advance in the business in such a way that they are able to be represented as a respectable professional in the business. You call it an ideal stylist. So, ideal so, stylist. So if I said, tell me exactly what is an ideal stylist, because I truly believe that people want to perform. Yes. Like people want to do their best. They want the boss to like them. They want to be a good employee and bring value and contribution. But sometimes that's a mystery as to what that even means. Yes. Because either the boss hasn't explained it or... So what does that look like? What does that look like? I'll tell you this. The ideal stylist is the person that walks inside of a salon and knows exactly what it is that they want and what it is that they can contribute to the salon in order to make that happen. So a lot so of... So they the, have to know what they want out of the career, but they also know what they need to contribute. To the, contribute to the business. Okay. So what happens is that there's a space between first starting at a salon and then all of the BS that happens in between. 
And what happens is that a lot of stylists gets caught up in the BS. You know, they're passionate about working with clients. They're passionate about the industry. They love to get inspired, go on the shows and all that great stuff. But when they get back to the salon and they're not as busy or they get it back into the salon and certain things, there's a disagreement between management or a disagreement between another one of the stylists, 80% of their attention is focused on that. Okay. An ideal stylist knows how to move like a brand, work like a brand, contribute like a brand, and they know how to develop like a brand. You know, they know that this week I need to have 25 clients. I need to get 12 new clients this month. You know, and they take away all of the things that could be hurting their business because they have a defined purpose as to where they truly want to be. Okay. You know, and so they don't let the minutia of all that other stuff slow them down or no, it's so easy to get stuck in all that. So easy. I just interviewed uh, Michael Levine. I've been talking about him a lot. He says he calls his break room the minimum wage room. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh, you're hanging out in the minimum wage room. Okay. <laughs> wow. You know, because that's where love that. people can get stuck back there. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. You've mentioned branding several times. Maybe we need to talk about that. Yes. So define branding in, in your words. Because people think of branding, they, they're like, well, that's Nike. Nike's yes. big and they have a logo and they, they branded themselves. I'm just this little guy. I don't need to brand myself. So in your words, what's branding? Branding is, first and foremost, having a, I like to say, an irresistible mission statement about yourself. Say that again. An irresistible mission statement. Okay, I like that. About yourself. Okay. Where, you know, when someone looks at you, this is what they see. Can you make that mission statement actually come to life? Okay. And, you know, um, like my, my personal irresistible mission statement is that I like to personally bring value to people's lives. No matter who I touch, the impact that I have, I want to bring value to people's lives. Hmm. And everything from my social media, everything from the way that I work with clients, it's not necessarily like, well, I'm this is my brand, this is who I am, but I want them to be able to feel and understand that. You know, and so if people Google my name, they should be able to identify exactly what it is that I do and what I represent okay. at any point in time. And I think that every stylist out there should be working towards making that a number one top priority in their career. You know, regardless of whether you're first starting off in cosmetology school or you're in a position where you just are looking to reinvent yourself, there has to be an irresistible mission statement about you. Why are you you? What makes you amazing? And the great thing about it is that I think People are attracted to those who understand their purpose and what it is that they're doing. They're attracted to that. You know, I think, like, I look up to you and if I, if I Google when, there is a just beautiful wall of just all these amazing things that you're doing, that you have your hands and your your story is amazing, but just all of the things that you're doing, and are you a brand? Absolutely. Are there things about you that are irresistible? Absolutely. You know, and there's a mission behind everything that you do. You make an impact, you make a statement, you know, and us as individuals, regardless of how big or how small we are, we can make a huge impact. 
we make a huge impact when we work with our clients. How, how do you help people develop their brands? First and foremost, I like to work with, you know, the SWOT analysis. I'm sure you heard of that. Of course. You know, strength, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And one of the things that I like to pull from are the strengths and opportunities. And really take those two things out because I feel like that it's very empowering when a person recognizes their natural born strengths, mm -hmm. you know, and the opportunities is not necessarily what's out and around them, but the opportunities that they see within themselves first, you know, so, you know, if I looked at this one guy's resume and he's worked over 10 salons in the last six years and I looked at him and I said, where are you trying to get to? And he's like, well, this salon didn't work out because it is. And this salon didn't work out because it is. And I'm like, I'm, I feel like you're looking for the right opportunity. Well, I am. Well, you know what? The opportunity is there. It's in you. But if you don't look at yourself as the opportunity, it's going to be hard for you to ever, ever stop. Has he been divorced five times? Oh, no, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's uh, a very difficult place to be in. Yeah. You know, and so... If they're able to first recognize their strengths, recognize the opportunities in that, I feel like there lives a, another defined purpose on how to advance and move forward. What about things that people do to attack their own brand, destroy their own brand? Do you coach people in those arenas as well? Yes. And what would some of those be? I mean, give our, our listeners okay. some... Uh, I mean, I certainly have you know my pet peeves and the things, yes. you know, like, again, social media. Just, gosh... Clean it up. Clean it up. Clean it up. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm with you there, Wayne. One of the things that I look back, I think, you know, how Facebook has, uh, you know, sometimes you can go back on your memories. Mm -hmm. I look back when, back in 2009, 2007, and some of the stuff that I was putting on the wall and I was writing about. And I remember I was just like venting all of my stuff out, like just putting all this stuff out there. And I realized that, you know, social media is like its own universe. I mean, literally, there's continents and there's cities and there's you can play in any field in social media that you want, you know, and the Internet is like that. It's, it's just this huge arena. But, you know, you can use it for your advantage or you can use it for your disadvantage. Mm -hmm. And the great thing about being a hairstylist in our industry is that, you know, if we utilize it towards our advantage, it, it can take us to a whole nother arena. The way that you can kill it. It's literally putting all of their weaknesses and horrible bad habits on social media. <laughs> and it can run a huge list. And I've seen it, you know. And I got to tell you, there's been times, and I'm, I'm guilty of it, of a salon owners, when someone submits to me their resume and they add their Instagram. And I go through their, their Instagram because they want me to see it. And I see, you know, certain behaviors like, I don't feel like going to work today. Oh my God, like, you know, all this other stuff. And immediately, it's only natural for me to think if I have this person representing the business that I've built, am I going to run into any problems that way? In six months, they're going to say, oh, I don't want to go to work today. They're yeah. going to be posting that. Yeah. Right. So, you know, one of the things that I'm a big advocate of is utilize it, use the social media as a platform for you to advance and mm -hmm. to grow. Don't utilize it as a platform to, you know, I want to utilize my platform to inspire people to, right. to not, not to gossip, not or to gossip or drama. Yeah. I mean, inside of my salon, I, I, I have a good friend for that. Yeah. You know, that I can <laughs> vent can to. to. Right, right. 
how other than social media, how do people hurt and destroy their brands? I think another way that completely destroys it is not reinvesting back into themselves. Okay. You know, if there's money to be had and money to be made from clients, so forth, not taking out the time to invest in themselves. Mm. You know, I'm a big advocate of not only education that's provided by our industry, but also education, you know, that has to do with business development. Education has to do with uh, money management. Education that has to do with, you know, things that are as far as self-development. You mm. know, I have a great fan of mine by the name of Kelsey that she's, she does Reiki. And, you know, every three months I sit down with her, I clean out all of my, my stuff because I realize that if I don't do that, if I don't work out, I'm going to lose it somewhere down the line. Mm -hmm. and, it's, and, you know, it's going to be with, you know, one of the stylists inside of the salon, so forth and so on. So the way that people to me can completely kill their brand is, you know, utilizing their money to just party or to just waste it on things that are not going to help to further their career and their, and their future. Mm. You know, and you can take a, a brand that is really, really small and grow it if you invest in yourself. You are your brand. Hmm. Um, we have to start to wrap this up. And I could ask you for a final message, but I, I liked what you said, the three core beliefs that you live by. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's your final message. But, well, that's your choice. It's not my choice. Okay. This is your interview, not mine. Okay. What are your three core beliefs? My three core by? beliefs um, is to always leave people with the sense of understanding who you are as a, as a person. You know, it's like, I'm not here to take anything away from you. I'm not here to take advantage and try to get something out of you. But for people to understand that I'm here to actually add something to the relationship that we have. Okay. I really, truly believe with that because uh, it's something that I, I have a personal attachment to. Mm -hmm. um, and then the second thing is, as far as is integrity. So, you know, what I said I was going to do, I will do. It's something that I, I definitely live by. I think because we're such in a service-orientated business and we deal with so many different people, a lot of things can get lost in translation. And the one thing that I never want anyone to come across with me is that my follow-through is not my follow-through. Mm. You know, and I value that, you know, so much so. And then the third thing is not looking down on people. You know, I, I, I believe I'm very optimistic in the idea that, you know, people can, can create something from their core. There's something that they have to believe in themselves. But, you know, when I was about 17, I was in a religion and I was kicked out of the religion um, based upon something so small. And my family and friends and people that I grew up with uh, disowned me. So they weren't allowed to speak to me. They weren't allowed to talk to me. They weren't allowed to interact with me or absolutely anything. And for about three to four years of my life, I was out there just, you know, trying to figure out what I wanted to do with myself. And that phone call of me losing my business was the first time that I actually physically talked to my dad again, hmm. you know? And I just felt like there was a lot of parts of my life where I was just looked down upon and I was judged based upon doing something so minute. And I never want another person to ever feel that mm. way with me when I interact with them. Mm. Never. You know, because I know what it was like in my lonely nights when I was, you know, drinking and trying to figure out different ways to sort of mask the pain. And I'm not saying that 
the religion was a contribution to that pain, but it was something that I definitely feel that I almost lost my connection of my purpose in life hmm. during that moment. And so, you know, I have a true core value in, in really trying to have an understanding of what a person is going through. And it helps me to stay in touch with what my purpose is hmm. as a whole, hmm. you know? Wow. Yeah. What a story. <laughs> yeah. And I have to say this from the bottom of my heart. When we were younger, I, I think I started speaking when I was inside of the religion when I was about 12 or 13 years of age. And I used to take certain things out of the scriptures and create these these scripts and go up on stage and, and speak. And that was something that I really had a, a passion for, to like I really loved doing. And looking back at it, even though I was, you know, cast it out of that religion, I almost thanked them for the training that I had in doing that because it allowed me to be able to communicate more effectively, it allowed me to be able to speak to people, allowed me to be able to, you know, just times when I'm talking to cosmetology students and I get off of the stage and I'll, I'll go and I'll sit down next to a person that I feel like I don't have their undivided attention. And I, I feel like if I didn't go through what I went through younger, I wouldn't have found that way to connect. Mm. You know, so I there's a portion of me where I kind of look at that now as a blessing in my life. Mm. You know, because it, it has helped me to create content, create, you know, opportunities, not only for myself, but it's going to be a great way for my children to be able to see that you can overcome something and still be able to make, you know, something great happen, mm. you know. Truly believe in that. Thank you so much. Yes, my pleasure. Well, you're, you're a dad, you're a husband, you're a business owner, you're a coach, you're, yeah. you're a lot of things. Yeah. All contributing to the brand and making you to be the person that you want to be. Yeah. Thank you so much, Wayne. Congratulations. It's an honor. Wow. It really Thanks, is Jared. an honor. I wish you the best. Thank you, my good friend. What Thank you. Thanks. Yes.